Hello and welcome to the Dance with Dummies podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Bourne. Thanks for tuning in and listening again with me today are my two good friends. My name is Nick Talon. Thanks for tuning in to Dance with Dummies, a podcast where we discuss Game of Thrones literature and the prophecies within the, the text. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm Nathan Talon. Thanks, guys. Today we're going to be talking about chapters 11 through 15, which are John 2, Daenerys 2, Eddard 2, Tyrion 2, and Catelyn two. 3. Two. <laughs> two, 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 three. I actually skipped the rest of the book and moved on to book two. <laughs> All right, guys, podcast canceled. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have a lot of energy right now. Um, So how are you guys enjoying the book so far? It's just uh, Yeah. I mean, the more and more I read, even now there's even more slight differences between that I'm noticing. Uh, stuff that's been pointed out. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Go ahead. Small stuff that they just omitted from the book for some reason, and they seem to take up like a lot of pages. And like, or like I was talking about that random character that just pops up and takes up three pages of dialogue between him and Catelyn, where it's like, okay, why, why is he not in the show at all? Um, but yeah, I'm just enjoying. Um, like I said earlier, like seeing the like characters perspectives and being in their head a little bit more than just kind of watching it mm-hmm. um what's the word play out just watching it play out you're kind of participating it feels while you're in their head listening to their thoughts um but yeah i'm enjoying it a lot i've been enjoying it too i feel like um reading is a new thing for me honestly oh Nick, Nick's for, 20 to 21, about to be. He's re- reading his first book. <laughs> it's not my first book, but it's been a while. Well. And it's no, it's a change of speed from, you know, the entertainment that especially our generation and this whole world is used to today where it's just so fast moving and how f- how long can you keep your brain stimulated type stuff. So it's a real change of pace. I'm liking it. I love the story already. So it's a nice, easy transition for me. Um, and a smooth, like comfortable it. transition. It's a say. smooth, comfortable transition, and I truly feel my IQ increasing by a single <laughs> digit every page I turn. Well, now, why were you that. laughing though earlier? Because I thought about that line I just said. <laughs> All right, Tyler. I'm kidding. No, I, um, I had a different thought. Yeah, I agree with you guys, obviously, about the comparisons to the show and stuff. But the thing that I really noticed about these chapters, just because they're so early and it's all this world building, is you get people doing stuff in the present while also getting so much backstory yeah. and information. And all of it's just so interesting. So it's I just like, a ton of fun to read. I like looking for the differences, too, because I want as soon as possible for these books to get me out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> because the show took me one way that I didn't really particularly like. So I'm just waiting. Every detail that's different, I'm like, yes, pull me further away. Yeah, Pete, Pete, it's interesting. People that read the books like way before the show even started and then started watching the show as soon as it aired didn't like the show immediately because of how different it was, to be honest. And I find that the more other people I listen to talk about the books that were a part of it beforehand or before the show, it's just I didn't realize so many book lovers really didn't like the show. And I don't see why. But what do you No, yeah, I don't well, see why. Because I, I the show's still good. Yeah, six seasons the of show, great television. I agree. In my opinion, the show is really good. But I'd say four seasons and some change of good television. But what are you going to do? I'd say six, six <laughs> 6.25 or 6.25 good. I'd say per, I would say 6.25 perfect seasons in my opinion. No, I'd say I'd <gasps> say five seasons worth. That's a good of way to great put it. television. That's a good way to put it cuz there's some 
there's really great episodes in the later seasons. And there's some duds. And some strange And I would say, stinkers. you know what? Yeah, I'll take it back. I'll say 5.75. Hold, 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 hold on. Hold on. I'll say 5.75 pieces of my favorite series ever. The rest. Avatar is, The Last Airbender. The rest is SpongeBob SquarePants seasons 1 through 10. 10? Yes. Okay. When's, when's the Avatar podcast starting up? After. All right. Never. Let's move on. Let's jump into it. Uh, John 2, Chapter 11. Nate, give us a summary. Uh, so John 2, we got John is committed to going to the Night's Watch. So he's saying his goodbyes, making his rounds around Taking the Stark the black, family. as people would say. Making his rounds around the Stark family. First, he gives a stop to his uh, crippled brother, Bran. Um, they talk about how Bran's bone, like how he feels and everything. It's like, that's pretty gross. He's like all bony. and I don't well, like sense he can't eat or yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't really like, like that because it gave me the shivers. And then um, he's, of course, someone that's in the room with Bran is someone that doesn't really like John that much. So you get a taste of Catelyn's complete disdain of John and even says that goes as far as to say it should have been you that fell from the tower and was like this. Even though John's like, I'm not an idiot and I don't climb towers like that. <laughs> but anyways, after that, John's he gets like teary, right? He yeah, gets a little teary eyed. Not then, from what Callan said though, just okay. from saying goodbye to okay. Brian. And then he moves on and he runs into uh, Robert uh, Start in the courtyard or whatever, and you know they get a brotherly goodbye. It's not like they're the best of friends, but they have an appreciation of each other, and you get to see that they love each other like like brothers. Me and Nate. Um, is is this the one where John kind of describes Rob a little bit, or is it because he? There's a part where Rob gets more details about how he looks. Uh, Callan mentions it in her okay. next chapter, okay. actually, which we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, so they get like the goodbye, very similar to how it plays out in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, very, just kind of like, yep, I'll see you later, or I'll see you when I see you, but it may never be again. Mm -hmm. Uh oh. Uh, and then he goes on. He has uh, one final stop, right? Yep. And he goes to see. Arya Stark, his favorite of all of his siblings, and he has a little gift for her, and it's a little sword named Needle, and it's named after her favorite thing, which is like the sewing needle, which I thought, <laughs> do they That's mention that in the show? I think so. I think they have a Okay, I thought that was a joke. It no, is a joke. It's not yeah, her favorite yeah, thing. Yeah, saying okay. it's sarcastic. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't tell because he kept going. Pick no, but I like. Context I liked. I liked that cool. a lot. That especially like that little exchange at the end where I don't know. I was like, yeah. Oh, they do love each other. And oh, again, it's like that's the hardest goodbye for him. I hope this, they get to see each other again. Yeah, I guess we'll see. That's my second favorite ending to a chapter so far in the book series. How does? Let me see you're, how it ends. You're twelve chapters in. <laughs> but hold on, I can't start ranking. Yeah, just no. Like truthfully, every... like I really love the end of that chapter okay. because yeah, no, it's good. I don't really re quite remember the relationship being that pronounced in the show. Oh yeah, I loved it too. Like it's like it says, the memory of her laughter warmed him on his way on his ride north. Yeah, that's a great line. Um, yeah, overall, this uh, just a real cut and dry, simple chapter with John just saying his goodbyes to the family. Not a lot of backstory, not a lot of dialogue, really. Just a couple quick exchanges mm -hmm. with plays people. out very similarly. Yeah, to the does, show. Yeah. Very simple. Um, Except Catelyn's kind of uh, Catelyn was even mean in the show, but this was like next level Catelyn. Well, she is straight up evil to John, thing. and then even in her next chapter, which we'll get into, she's evil to other people too. So I, I wonder if it's part of her like staying awake with Bran so long, almost like sleep deprivation mm -hmm. on top of so already she can't not mask it. John. She can't mask herself yeah. or like filter it's herself. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thing I learned throughout this chapter 
is that Catelyn, or not Catelyn, uh, well, yeah, Catelyn really doesn't like John. Correct. Yeah. I literally, I don't remember it being that pronounced in the show, but then again, it's no. been a while since I even watched. What, some, of her best, some of her best dialogue in the show is about her not liking John. Really? I guess I just don't really remember it that much because I didn't really care. And I don't think that scene's even in the books. Which one? When she talks to Rob's wife about... Nope. And it all happened because I couldn't love a mother. Oh, she does say that in the show. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting that Catelyn tells John that she talked to Ned and then said after Bran's fall that, oh, now you need to stay. You can't go. And he was like, well, okay, I already committed. I tried telling yeah. you no, and yeah. you made me commit. Now yeah. I'm going. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. Um, I want to find exactly, I need none of your absolution, bastard. After John says it wasn't your fault. Like, you didn't really know what to say. He's just trying to make her feel good. And she just freaking, they were full of poison. Oh, what a bitch. What page are we on? 95 is where she kind of gives it to him pretty hard. <laughs> Dude, by the way, I'm more than 12. He was at the door when she called out to him. John. Well, yeah, Nick, said, we're talking to 11 to 15. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. He said you're only 12 chapters in. Like, I'm already ranking. I'm far ahead. Anyway. <laughs> he was at the door when she called out to him. John. She said he should have kept going, but she had never called him by his name before. He turned to find her looking at his face as if she were seeing it for the first time. Yes, he said. It should have been you. She God, told him that sucks. And she turned back to Brandon and began to weep, her whole body shaking with the sobs. Team John had Catelyn. never seen her cry before. Yeah, because she's weak. stone hearted. Straight up. Straight up. Whoa, I whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> straight up. Hey, I... Nate, no spoilers. Hey, dude. Come on. Hey, can I go ahead and talk straight up on page 98? So uh, we're cite at, it. We're uh, Catelyn three nope. nine, or how does it go? <laughs> John two. Or John two ninety eight. Uh, I highlighted different roads sometimes lead to the same castle. Who knows? Straight up, they meet again. That's what he said to you, Rob. Correct. Uh, yep. Oh wait, I thought it was Taria. Oh, I don't know. Is it Taria? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's maybe they will meet again. They're obvi- well. They never married know. in the end. Yeah, that's a good point. And did we bring that up last episode? Yeah. See, I don't like that direction. No, he already said that it's not okay. the same <laughs> as his treatment or whatever it was. Not uh, only do I not like that, I don't respect it. Would yeah. you Would you picture George if you saw like if you read a scene of John and Arya getting married? No, we'll talk about how what I picture in the next chapter. Um. Yeah, just from this chapter, we get how I thought it seemed like John and Rob were pretty close, and it was a pretty tender goodbye. And it was kind of like that they're kind of trying to be manly, yeah, so they didn't yeah, want to show it yeah. too much. But you could kind of tell with the words being used. And I mean, yeah, when you spend your whole life with someone, could have been, yeah, yeah. We'll um, never know for sure. Do you guys have anything to add? The only other thing I no. had, so I have the the enhanced editions on that you can buy in your whatever, average, dude. your dude. Apple, yeah, whatever, products. dude whatever you can only buy them on iBooks so all it does is there's each chapter there's a couple author annotations most of them are not from George they're actually from Elio and Linda who wrote the World of Ice and Fire and and helped with Fire and Blood and all this stuff so they're really knowledgeable and not all of the not all of the annotations are really worth noting but any that are I'll try and bring up so people can know about them and um, there were some interesting ones in this, so let me uh, pull them up here real quick. Hit me with them. Hit me with them. Uh, Hit, me with them. Hit me with them. Hit me with them. Hit so me this with one them. actually is from Martin. When asked about this incident, 
and Catelyn's mistreatment of John. This is when Catelyn's being a total biatch. Martin wrote, mistreatment is a loaded word. Did Catelyn beat John bloody? No. Did she distance herself from him? Yes. Did she verbally abuse and attack him? No. The Standards have changed since 1998. So when did the book come out? In parentheses, it says, or that he says, the instance in Bran's bedroom was obviously a very special case. So I take that to mean she shows disdain to John to Ned, yeah. but maybe not to his face very often. He knows that they yeah, don't have a close maybe just relationship. just a little cold to yeah. him. But, but this, this was, was like, like extra. So... And I agree. The last like, time she could get it all. Her out. lack of sleep and her moment of weakness doesn't. It, it, she doesn't filter herself. And but the only reason I don't get that though is how come John's not a little bit more shocked? Because he knows that he doesn't. She's kind of push offish towards him. But like when she straight up says, "Well, I think he knows that she doesn't care for him," but that doesn't mean that she's constantly berating him all the time. Well, no, I'm agreeing with you. So what I'm saying is, wouldn't he be more shocked in this chapter then when she says that? I mean, he, he kind of was, wasn't he? He kind of runs out of the room. Yeah, He, maybe, he was maybe. pretty shocked when she said John. He was like, oh, hello. Well, maybe, My name's John. What's up? Well, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe you're time. right. John did what he always does. He becomes a bigger person. The other interesting point about the annotation and that they get wrong in the show is that Needle is a rapier. It's like a very pointy sword with no edges. It's just for stabbing. Mm -hmm. And Martin actually indicates that it's not actually supposed to be a rapier. It's just a smaller, little bit skinnier sword, but it does have blades on the sides, and it is very sharp. So it is still a Westerosi sword, not a Bravos blade. It was just supposed to resemble one. It's not actually a rapier. I just thought that was interesting. So when you picture it in your head, you know. I'm going to picture the one from the show. All All right, let's continue. I straight up everything... Everything in the book so far, I just picture from the show. Do I'm a guys, very visual person. I've already no, seen I kinda, a lot of I this No, I kind of stuff. been picturing them younger. I don't. I like picture John with no facial hair, maybe shorter hair. I picture John to look almost completely different than he does in the show. I actually picture That's because you're stubborn. Yeah. Or I just have my own Im- imagination. No, here. that's not it. I'm just but a, I kind of picture him to look like Benjamin a little bit with like the longer face and nose and not Kit Harrington short round face, I guess. I the way I kind of do it. kind of weird looking in the show. Though. The way I kind of do it is I picture that actor's a little weird. The way I kind of do it, he's not the most attractive man. The way I kind of do it is I just picture it from the show. <laughs> he has no imagination. <laughs> no, no, but straight up, I'm a visual person. I've seen a lot of the characters. It just it's easy. It's a lazy Here, way for you want to see it. how I picture John. Think of and it's completely incorrect. And then you just think of Rob Stark, with like a little bit longer of a face and black hair. And no beard. That's what I picture. Richard Madden. That's <laughs> why you're starting reverse shit. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've All ever right. heard. Let's move on to the next chapter. Do you guys have anything to add about John too? Uh, yeah, quite. when I picture it, I picture the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only way that I could explain how I can you know picture the show is I picture the books. Anyway, let's move on to Danny too. Nick, sometimes I think you ruin the podcast. <laughs> other people think that he why would it. you think that because it's true <laughs> i'm just kidding all right nick take us take us away with your summary of chapter 12 daenerys 2 okay um so <laughs> real smooth this chapter, <laughs> this chapter starts off with danny uh i believe the night before a little bit nervous about the whole wedding thing that she's about to go why through would she with. be nervous 
because she's about to marry a man that they don't speak the same language and he's a thug and he has whoa. So whoa. Whoa. how about he's like whoa. six seven two eighty jack he's, bi- he's bigger than he's probably like he's 30. three he's three five three oh five I swear to God, he's six eight three oh five. Wait, do you know who I picture when I picture Kel Drogo? <laughs> I I literally I literally picture Wilt Chamberlain. Anyway, who do you picture, Nate? Jason Momoa. I do oh. some characters. I do. It's hard. That, Jason I mean, Momoa. That's, perfect. that's yeah, weird. I picture Aquaman. Anyway, um, oh. so she's having. Wow, you're hilarious, Nick. She's nervous. She's having. She goes to sleep. She has a nightmare. Um, it's her first vision of a dragon and it's her brother. Her brother's beating her and he keeps saying, you don't awaken the dragon, blah, blah, blah. And then he, she turns and she actually sees an actual dragon. Um, some may yeah. say this is when she awoke. The dragon. This is when she awakens within. And then also, uh, <laughs> so then she goes to the wedding the next day. Uh, she just kind of realizes how, uh, savage like the whole army of the Dothraki are. What's it called, Nick? The Dothraki, the call. Mm, well, Call Drogo is the call, but what's the arm? His whole the Doth- unit of people the Dothraki. Call. What are A they Kalasar. called? Kalasar. Thank you, Nate. the Kalasar. Yeah, Nate. What do you picture call. when you? I picture. Let me paint you this picture. <laughs> so they're eating, and. They, they're like, we better hurry up and get this wedding going before people start killing each other. So they get married in the open sky, and the sun's like halfway through in the sky. They get married. <laughs> they start having the ceremony. The Kalasar is dancing and mounting women and eating. She's sitting next to her new husband. Uh, they don't speak the same language. She feels helpless, hopeless, and full of terror. And she starts to receive her gifts during this time. She gets three um, three women, three slaves from her brother that are there to help her learn life, basically just three teachers that can get her through different categories uh, that she would need to know. Uh, Jorah gives her a bunch of old books about old tongue and bald Jorah, right? What? Bald Jorah. Yep, I definitely Jorah. picture Jorah looking different because yeah. the way he's described is not even close to what it is. Anyway, she gives male pattern bald. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, she gives him some. Uh, he gives him uh, gives her some books, and then she gets three dragon eggs, and she's like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." She starts to loosen up just a little bit, and then uh, Kyle Drogo brings in the present, and he steals the show, baby. Brings in a white stallion, and she hops on. She rides. It's not. Yeah. It's not white. I thought it was like silver, wasn't it? It's silver smoke, is how they kind of describe it. It's I, like it's, it's white. Smoky. It's white. There, it, a horse can only be so light. It's fantasy. Yeah, I'm gonna picture it as white. Jeez, I'm gonna dude. say silver. See, you're not creative, Tyler. You have to picture it whatever you want. <laughs> <Anyway>. Continue. <laughs> uh, sh- they ride off. I just for- read the words and picture <laughs> however the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> Her and Cal Drogo. Hold on, let me get through this. Her and Cal Drogo ride off. She's kind of happy how things wrapped up in the day. She's kind of away from the whole Kalsar, uh, and uh, they engage. Let's cut to the chase. They engage in some sexual activity. Things are good on the Western Front. Now I have a question. Eastern, I should say when it says that the Kalsar mount women. What does that mean? 
they they are basically I don't want to say yeah they're rape. I, I don't women. think it's rape because the women that are part of the caliphs are seem like they're, they're like part slaves. of the celebration. They're like pe- they're all like peasants. No 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 not all of them not everybody that's part of the caliphs are. So maybe is it is there a chance that they're like hired prostitutes for the caliphs are? I'd say we just no they're just Dothraki women. But yeah whatever. Um what notes do you guys have on this chapter? What what do you guys notice? What do you Let's guys see. like dislike? Oh, shit. I just lost my bookmark. <sighs> All right. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say the different interaction, of oh, course, I at the end. Good. We find out that Jorah works for Viserys. Yep. We find out he pledged his sword to Viserys to just kind of yeah. wander the earth with him. Um, what were you about to say? Uh, the difference in the interaction at the end of the chapter than in the show plays out pretty differently. Yeah, in the book, uh, Khal Drogo is very tender towards Danny in their first sexual encounter. Um, is a stranger. She's thirteen, and Khal's like eighty-five. Yeah, it's weird. Let's just move on past it. Everybody, grow up. Is is Khal Drogo eighty-five? I think he's probably like thirty-ish. I think is how he's. Probably I'm gonna described. picture him as Jason Momoa. Yeah. So however old he um, is, I actually. I'm not gonna say I like. Well, yeah, I like. It. I think it's written well enough. Uh, I like that Danny is very afraid, but she kind of realizes how the call, who seems to be pretty experienced with women, um, he's very he treats her very tenderly, and he almost like asks her if it's okay. Oh, yeah, it's when saying. she kind of gives her own consent that he decides. All right, no, it's, here we it's go. go time. No, and the chapter the chapter sort of no. ends before it really gets into it, so I don't think yeah. it's too gratuitous or graphic or anything. Um. I don't understand why the show chose to go, go the down other way. the path that Drogo kind of forcibly just rams her, and she wants no part of it. Because in the book, that's not how it plays out at all. So I, I'm curious as to yeah, why they like, made what, that What decision. was their thought process there? Yeah. You know? Well, what, in the end, what was their thought process? Anyway, <laughs> I highlighted um Illyrio when he says to Viserys um you have waited most of your life great king what is another few months another few years I think Illyrio is kind of s- always sneak this and respect him I'm gonna miss him when he's gone I I really I agree with you that was actually one of my notes too Nick is that Illyrio seems really uncaring about Viserys and he just kind of is it almost seems like he's trying to dump dump him off he knows that after uh Daenerys weds called Drogo they're gonna have to take a ridiculously long journey to um, Vastothrak, where the um, Dosh Kaleen, which are the leaders of the Dothraki, like they're the wise women. It's all the old wives of calls that have passed away, and they kind of make judgments for everybody. Um, they have to travel there, and that distance is actually like way longer than it's like the entirety of Westeros, basically, to get all the way there. And I feel like. Illyrio just kind of wants them to go away. He doesn't really care about them. That's how yeah. I kind of read his actions like and his his dialogue towards them. The way he acts, the way I see it, is almost like it's a good gamble for him. It's like investing back yeah, back like, then. So like, I don't I don't know why I say back then, but it's medieval times. So it's like investing. He invests some money, shelter and stuff in these two people. It almost seems like he doesn't think Viserys would make it, but maybe he sees something in Daenerys, and if one day they gain power, they will remember him. But if not, then he's like, I got rid of him. Exactly. You know what? It's like sometimes you have to cut your losses with some stock or something like that. It's the same thing. So that's the way I'm viewing it. He's trying to buy some stock 
in the Targaryens, and if it fails, he'll be like, "Oh well, I'm still rich." Is that what you're picturing? That's what I'm picturing. He, I picture the da- I picture the Wolf of Wall Street, but with Amelia Clark and uh, 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 Kyle Drogo. <laughs> what else do you got for us, Tyler? I have some other stuff. Um. Too. Uh. At, well, Danny is still weak and afraid in this chapter, but I really like that after she gets on her horse and starts riding all of a sudden she kind of loses all her fear and she feels really amazing for the first time mm-hmm. and this follows after she has her first dragon dream which is interesting but i just thought it was really great that you get that first moment of her kind of coming into herself a little bit and getting away from that scared weak afraid i girl. agree um i hate i well i don't want to say i hate it but i really just like the chapters when she's just getting uh not beat on but like with the pushed around and stuff yeah pushed around i can't wait till she starts coming into her own because i really do like yeah. daenerys and i liked her in the show i really um, like her character development in this book and i i feel like it's just it's at a really good pace the first chapter she's weak and afraid the second chapter she feels the same way we get that first moment where it kind of starts to go away and then we'll see as her character grows like just how she moves on past that and i i really like that um i also liked i highlighted um I mean, it's nothing too crazy, but I highlighted I am Daenerys Stormborn, Princess of Dragonstone, of the Blood and Seed of Aegon the Conqueror. I just thought that was a cool little segment. Uh, oh, it gets longer. That. Oh, it gets longer. We know that, Nate. We really do. And then I also highlighted uh, the Iraq. What is it? The Iraqs? Uh, the weapons? Yeah. Um, I like how they describe them. Long, razor-sharp blades, half sword and half half scythe. I just I I picture that differently a little bit like but I picture them a little bit longer. No, you shouldn't because that's what they look like. No, though. Nate. Here's the thing. Like that's I one said, of those things that you shouldn't picture differently because they just made those. No, but I picture them just like everything exaggerated. Okay. Weapons wise, I want to just like I I want ice to be like fifty feet tall. <laughs> yep. Just imagine whatever the fuck you want. I guess. <laughs> That's the beauty of the podcast. All right, I'm gonna read Danny's Dragon Dream real quick. Go ahead, uh, that, and then we can kind of discuss it. All so right, I'm closing my eyes so I can picture. <laughs> After uh, Illyrio's and Viserys are talking about uh, Viserys wanting his army, and he doesn't care if Danny just gets smashed tomorrow, as long as he gets his price, whatever, whatever. There are no more dragons. Danny thought, staring at her brother, though she did not dare say it aloud. Get that night, she dreamt of one. Viserys was hitting her, hurting her. She was naked, clumsy with fear. She ran from him, but her body seemed thick and ungainly. She, he struck her again. She stumbled and fell. You woke the dragon, he screamed as he kicked her. You woke the dragon, you woke the dragon. Her thighs were slick with blood. A little period dream. She closed her eyes and whimpered. As if in answer, there was a hideous ripping sound and the crackling of some great fire. When she looked again, Viserys was gone. Great columns of flame rose all around, and in the midst of them was the dragon. It turned its great head slowly. When its molten eyes found hers, she woke, shaking and covered with a fine sheen of sweat. She had never been so afraid. And the dragon said one last thing to her. A crown for a king. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she just has her first encounter. It kind of like, it kind of seems like, the dreams telling her Viserys isn't the dragon. Yeah. He just kind of burns away, and there's a dragon there, and it looks at her, and you don't know if you know it's a going to attack her or what's going on, but she clearly is very scared. And it's it may play into something. Uh, I, I don't know if the same dialogue will be that it is in the show, but she always said like the he's not a dragon. Yep. If he was, so maybe. 
And she says that right before she talks about the dream too. That's her line as she yeah. looks at him and says, "All the dragons are gone." Yeah. But then, yeah. So that's really Jeez, interesting. Wow. I like that. Um, did you talk about her three handmaids in the summary? Uh, one of yeah, yeah, a dragon. Must I didn't have get three the names. Heads. I didn't say the one names, of the gifts but... to her are three different handmaids. It's Eerie G Queen Dohea. Eerie and G Queen are Dothraki cool slaves, and Dohea is actually from one of the free cities. Uh, I guess a, I think it's a free city. So I don't know why she's kind of a slave. But anyway, <laughs> she got roped into it. Misande. It's like Scientology. Oh, you know, um, we're free in America, but people can get roped into a lot of stuff. So they're all it's there true. for her for different reasons, to teach her to ride horses, to teach her language, and to teach her how to ride men. Um, whoa, dude. Whoa. Uh, you get a really interesting line about the eggs, that they're solid. They feel like solid stone, yeah. and they're not. They're kind of cold to the touch and Almost stuff. Almost like it is a magical event. And, and remember, remember the is. Oh, I guess we haven't heard about Zor High, but what we whoa, know. Whoa, what's that? Whoa, we'll talk about is that. Is that in the it. books? We'll talk about that maybe in uh, our tinfoil part of the. Podcast. I can. We haven't learned that yet in the books. <laughs> Tyler, what are you um, just so going we, on we your own, dude? The, we learn that the eggs come from the Shadowlands beyond a shy. We get the first mention of a shy. Um, okay, that's where the red people are from, right? That's where yes, the red Mil- priestess. Yeah. Well, not all red priestesses, but Melisandre is for sure. Um, they call them shadow binders, which are just people who study some crazy ass magic over there that we don't really know much about yet. And yes, Melisandre is from there. How Another does one, character that? How uh, do you know about her? How does how does <laughs> one how does one get into shadow binding? Um, is I thought it like was kind of shitty that after she rides her horse, she gets back and you know she has this great moment where she feels really good and. She actually jumps over this great pit of fire with the horse. He's never felt this way before. And then Viserys just kind of ruins it and is like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's yeah. just really mean to her. Can't wait till uh, hopefully this guy disappears. Wait, why do you know that? I said hopefully. <laughs> I really hope he makes it to the end. I want to see how their relationship the progresses. Yeah, I can't wait for him to take over Westeros. But uh, just another really good, pretty basic chapter. But um, you can just kind of get really good character-building moments from Danny. She gets some really interesting gifts from people, including her dragon eggs, which are something maybe to pay attention to. I don't think so. I think, it's just, I think it's just dream. symbolic of like her lineage. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. So she's married her, you know, it's going, it's moving pretty quick. You know, first chapter she meets Drogo, second chapter they're married and they're about to get ready to leave and her journey is about to begin. Good for her. She found, she found the one. She found him. Do you guys have any other points? Any, uh, anything um, interesting? I'm just excited. Is there any significance happens. in like the three heads of the dragon and the three handmaidens? And there's the three eggs and there's threes Was everywhere. It, well, when the it comes number to three is just associated with Danny a lot. I wouldn't read in too much to the three handmaidens, okay. but certainly three dragon eggs is yeah, interesting, yeah. especially when you see the bond that develops between the eggs and Danny. <laughs> don't want to give too much away <laughs> but um, <laughs> um yeah the number three is associated with her a lot especially when you get into her some of her prophecies that she hears about later on in the books one um, for love one for what are you talking about wait <laughs> we'll get to that this later. episode sucks <laughs> i'm having fun what i'm having a great about? time because i can picture anything i want for this podcast <laughs> All right, let's move on to chapter 13. At our yours? second chapter, this is my chapter. Thank I'll God. give us a summary. <laughs> You'll probably give the best one. Go ahead. Uh, this chapter opens with Eddard being um, awoken from a slumber. He's already on the road. The whole procession of everybody moving to King's Landing has begun. They're a couple days out. 
He gets awoken bright and early. He walks out of his tent, and Robert is sitting on his horse waiting for him. King Bobby B himself. Baby. Ned Ned uh, remarks that he looks like a great bear sitting <laughs> on his horse. Um, so Robert wants to ride out together and just have a nice little chat without people in the tent, uh, people in the um, procession hearing because he hears he says there's ears everywhere. So that's a pretty smart move by Robert. So they ride out with each other. They talk about a lot of things. First, they talk about women, and Robert brings up ned's past and who is the who is the one that made you betray your honor Ned? she must have been a beautiful woman eh uh ned curiously says uh her name was wyla he says with cold courtesy and he says and don't ask about her again so they kind of move on past that pretty quick uh robert just talks about a bunch of his favorite women becca she was hot wasn't she ned and he goes on for a little bit um then robert gets to the point why they actually rode out there and he pulls out a letter that comes from Lord Varys of King's Landing. You hear about him. He is Robert's spider. master of whispers, the spider. Don't they call, call him that, though. Um, they learn that the Targaryen whore is married a Dothraki horse lord, and Robert's worried that the, potentially they could cross the Narrow Sea and come to Westeros and try and take over. And uh, Ned just tries to reassure him, like, no, no, that's not going to happen. The Dothraki are terrified of the open water. They're not going to cross. Don't worry about it. And Robert's just kind of real crazy about it. But you also find out that uh, Robert has not ever tried to send anyone to kill her. Once they got away, he kind of gave up on it, which is very contradictory to what Viserys has been telling, telling, Jesus, (laughs) has been telling uh, Daenerys her whole life that they've been constantly running from hired knives from the usurper and that they're trying usurper. That was an interesting. Man, I'm I'm going off the rails today. I like usurper better. But, um... Um, so just a little contradictory statement there from Robert. Um, Robert really wants to maybe try and kill Danny, and Ned just tries to make him see that that's not the way things should go. Why is that? You, you find out that he gets the information from Jorah. You get a little backstory of Jorah from Ned's head. Ned thinks back to uh, traveling all the way to Bear Island to actually kill Jorah because he sold poachers to uh, Tyrosh. Tyroshi slaver ship to try and get some money. Obviously, slavery is illegal in Westeros, and Ned, being the warden of the North, needs to go take care of business. And when he gets there, Jorah's already left. He's deport- departed. And uh, Jorah's trying... He's deported. I mean, technically. <laughs> <laughs> so Jorah's trying to earn back some... Uh, he's trying to earn back some credit and... Uh, get credit. pardoned. Yeah, get pardoned, get back to Westeros. And Ned is very upset by this, and Robert just kind of brushed it off. Like, ah, leave it alone. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I'm Ned. interested to see how that uh, plays yeah. out. Um, they talk about maybe, uh, they talk about who's going to be the warden of the East and that is all about just having little Robert Aaron, John Aaron's son, who's very young, just name him. He, you know, it's not a position that matters right now because there's no war. Robert mentions that, well, I've already promised the position to someone else and Ned guesses that it's actually Jamie and, uh, he's right. And, uh, this is very bizarre because this kind of goes against Jamie's Kingsguard vows and how could he be this, but. Robert kind of dismisses it, and obviously Jamie, we've kind of seen dismisses his Kingsguard vows as well. So this yeah. is pretty bizarre. But he just goes, acts like he acts like he's not even part of it. It goes with Ned's ideas of Jamie, and he gets more backstory about the Robert's rebellion. And Ned finally tells the truth to Robert about what happened on the fateful day he rode into the throne room, and he saw Jamie actually sitting on the throne. And Ned 
didn't know what to do. He just sat there and didn't say anything until Jamie finally laughed and said, ah, well, the throne's for your, it's an uncomfortable seat anyway. We'll wait for Robert to take the throne. And Ned had kept this information from Robert. And Robert just laughs it away like, dude, not a big deal. Grow up, Ned. And Ned's yeah. been worried about this. He's lied about it for so long. And it's like, I kind of agree with Robert in this yeah. one. Like, it's not a really big deal. He's just sitting there. He didn't want to be king. Um, uh, that pretty much wraps up the chapter. They ride away. Robert rides away from Ned. And Ned kind of sits there and thinks for a little bit. And he finally rides away to catch up to him. And that kind of wraps it up. So just... Just a lot of conversation with Robert, a lot of history in this chapter, which I thought yeah. was very interesting, yeah. and uh, overall a really good chapter. But what do you guys think? Any I always points? like Ned's chapters because it it's usually a deep dive into the history of Westeros. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's Ned's declassified. And the thing is that I really like too is that uh, I don't they don't show it in the show the Jamie sitting on the throne segment, do they? Or do they even talk about it? Well, they, well, they don't really show any, any of the, the backstory because they don't do any flashback sequences, which would be pretty hard to do, yeah. though, yeah, to balance yeah, out yeah. mid-conversation, I love cut it. away to a flashback and go back to the uh, what's the conversation. Robert's, Robert's Rebellion really intrigues me, as it probably does any Game of Thrones fan. So whenever I can get some pieces of information about it, I like Just it. Uh, take up your uh, the History of Westeros book and uh, read the three pages in Robert's Rebellion. It'll take you 15 minutes. It's really interesting. You don't have to be an ass your whole life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest thing you've ever said. Um, I really like any taste of Robert in these books because I feel like he kind of gets a bad rap. And you get it here where... You get it here where he's just a really cool guy. He doesn't really want to be king. You know, he talks to Ned about, let's just ride. Let's leave everybody behind. Let's ride to King's Landing on our own. Just two vagabond yeah, knights. There's no way. No one can stop us. Yeah. I, I, I really like his character, you know. Um, what did you guys think about Ned bringing up the name Wyla? This is an interesting point. Um, I think that's the wet nurse. We can get it. Well, we'll get it. We can deep dive into that into tinfoil. But uh, is there any is every there, single tinfoil section of every episode is just us talking about John? <laughs> well, like I said, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about too many theories yeah, yeah. that you guys might not know about yeah. yet. You know, so I'll keep it to I the think, ones I that think are. He either came up with the name, or it's just someone on the spot, yeah, that or he knew. or someone. Yeah, maybe someone that helped out in the yeah. situation, but not necessarily the. Or actual maybe even mother. someone from his past that he just remembers fondly, like a name, and that. W- doesn't have any real like yeah. i don't want to say real value but like isn't that high and anything that's so no true. one would really know who it is we just that's her name there you go it sounds like a common person name you know i wonder if it also could be an alias for the maybe who john's mother is too yeah. right like he doesn't want to say who it actually is of unscramble course, so. wyla let's see if we can figure out anything aliwa there we go <laughs> we got it i think we got it <laughs> sakajawea <laughs> y'all 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 yalu there we go Come on. Um, we do get an interesting line about uh, Ned thinking about uh, about Wyla. Wyla. He says he did, when he talks about Callan because Robert tries to convince him, Ned, you were just a you were young back then. You barely knew Callan. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Ned's very angry and he goes, "I dishonored myself, not only in front of Catelyn, but also in the sight of <laughs> gods and men." <laughs> and I just think it's weird that he says in the sight of gods in men, almost as if there's more to him. Like or he it's said, almost, I it's her. almost in some, like you dishonored Catelyn, but then you also dishonored your vow, which just is like, done hey, in front of gods and men. Yeah, just like true. just like his three year old son needs to man up because when he's coming, <laughs> right. 
Very, and, very honorable and guy. Ned, push it along. No, I must burn for what I've done. Yeah. I also want to touch on why do you think who was lying to the series about people chasing his whole life, needing to be on the run the whole time? Who, I think maybe it's illusions of grandeur. You you think yeah. so? Like he just thought like, oh, they, they have must to. be They've after been me. killing all the Targaryens, yeah. so they're constantly yeah, yeah. chasing after us. I like that we get that information that Robert was never trying to kill them. He wants to now because there's a potential threat, right. which which kind of makes sense, but he he wasn't the kind of guy that just wanted yeah, yeah. to go murder the kids over there. So I, I like that um, you get that, and it it does show that Viserys is maybe even crazier than we already think. You know? Oh yeah, he definitely thinks he's the yeah. odd. Um, Robert has some serious hatred towards the Targaryens, though, and it it's kind of bizarre because Robert actually has Targaryen blood, blood in, him. in him. His aunt is actually uh, the Mad King's sister. No. His grandma is the Mad King's aunt, is how it is. So him Jesus. and Rhaegar are actually cousins. They're second cousins. And he I, murdered him. In and cold he murdered blood. him in he, cold blood. He, do they talk about that? And they what's what's cousin aside? Wait, what? Because they talk about later on, at least in the show, it's like patricide, matricide. Oh yeah, there's none of that. There's cousin, no cousin aside. aside. <laughs> they, that's what that's what they talk about. They're like, there's no cousins. There's some aside. cousins inside of cousins. Maybe okay. Let me think. <laughs> Does that happen in Game of Thrones? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, Cersei and uh, uh, oh, Lancel. No, but that's his her nephew, isn't it? No, no, their cousin. Yeah, Lancel's Cersei's cousin. Good for her. it's uh, Tywin's brother's me. son. Um, I think it's really interesting that it's Robert hates alike. the entire Targaryen family, and I just think that goes into the like family dynamics of Westeros, where one one person can just bring all the shame onto a family and taint yeah. the whole history of their lineage and stuff. And it's like family's the only thing that matters. It's kind of unfair because you yeah. do hear about later that there are a lot of really great Targaryen kings. Not all of them, of course. There were some bad ones, but you could obviously... Joffrey's good an and asshole. bad people everywhere. Exactly. So I feel like they kind of get a bad rap from the perspective of some of these characters. But we do hear later, and we actually heard it in the last chapter, that Ned doesn't think nearly as poorly of the Targaryens as Robert does. Um, it was more so just the Mad King was a straight up yeah. douchebag, so they had to get rid of him. But um, I don't really understand why Ned hates Jamie so much for doing that. Like, oh, he betrayed his vow, but it's like, well, King Aries was the worst human being. Yeah, on but Earth. Uh, also, literally, every uh, every other line you read of Ned's has something to do with honor. So <laughs> yeah, he just like, feels yeah. like he's got he's true. really uptight. And you know what? It's it's, it's good for him. Uh, uh, I like his perspective because of that, but at some points it's like, come on, dude. Do you guys down. think if Ned was in Jamie's shoes and saw like the Mad King roast Tywin and and somebody else alive in the horribly vicious way that Ned could have pulled the trigger on killing Ares, or would he would have been so devout and honorable that he would have stood by his side through it all, no I matter what? I think Ned would have stood by his side, and then he would have killed himself. Ned. I don't no, that's think interesting. That. I think you just get cooked. We do else. get another. We do get another. Promise me, Ned, when uh, Robert and Ned briefly bring up Lyanna, just to, when they're talking about Rhaegar, Robert just laments, "Ah, oh, I didn't want the crown. I wanted her. I that was my prize was her, and they they took her away and gave me a crown instead." And Ned suddenly remembers, promise me, Ned, yet again. With no, we don't get him thinking about anybody after, anything after. We just get that line again. So we still don't know anything about this promise, just that there was some promise made before she passed away. Um, I really like this chapter just because of the amount of backstory that's yeah. in it. 
the dialogue between Robert and Ned is great. Mm-hmm. Um, feels like old friends catching up. Yeah. There was one. I do have a note here to read one of the annotations. Let me pull it up real quick and see if there was anything good. Only available on Apple iBooks. Buy your enhanced edition of A Game of Thrones by we'll New be York sponsored Times by them here pretty soon. George R. R. Martin. We'll be sponsored by them here pretty soon. What do you guys got? Talk, talk for a second while I find this. Who do you picture when uh, Ned's there talking? Hey, quit pissing me off. I picture Sean Bean, but I also, <laughs> that scene I picture like, um, I picture like in the movie Steve Jobs, where it's uh, Michael Fassbender talking to, um, what's his name? Someone help me here. Jonah, uh, Seth Rogen? No. Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels in the hallway, and you're just getting a backstory, and I picture it just like that. Oh, I already, I already talked about it. The irony of Robert's hatred of the Targaryens is that his grandmother was a Targaryen princess and aunt to the Mad King. So he and Rhaegar were, in fact, second cousins. Good for Rhaegar. That's also, I think we brought it up last time, but that's actually why they gave Robert yeah, the throne had, as well instead of anyone time. else is because he had the Targaryen blood. Yep. Which is interesting that they go to murder all the Targaryens. They're like, well, they're like, I guess they're still technically... <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, you have the best claim because you're still related. It's like... like so yeah. is he really a usurper at this point when literally every other Targaryen's dead? Yeah, what's the point of having a uh like to overthrow a kingdom if you're just gonna give a family? Because you get best of both worlds where it's kinda like, okay, well this guy won and oh and technically <laughs> he still could continue on. Well, it kinda makes it sound like there must there was a little bit of a question after like who should be the king? Because Robert it's called Robert Sherbun, but he didn't start it. It was started by John Aaron after Ned's father and um Ned's father brother, and brother. brother were killed. So um, John Aaron is the one who called the banners and started it, but it's called Robert's Rebellion because of the ab- abduction of Lyanna and he, him killing Rhaegar and, and all that stuff. And how he looks like so, Henry Cavill. Yeah. So it could have been, you know, could there could have been argued that John Aaron should be king. You know, he's this really great guy. I believe he was warden of the East at the time still, and so it's like maybe he could have been it. Maybe Ned could have been it. You know, because he was one of the leaders of the Maybe army. Jamie could have been it. Maybe Jamie, because he was sitting on the throne before he laughed. <laughs> That's why it did, <laughs> did destroyed his claim right there, because he laughed. Um, I do think it's a little bizarre that Jamie would could be awarded Warden of the East. Being I like it. Give me that plot line, just, even though I know it doesn't go anywhere. But the only thing I don't get about that is why would Ro- like Robert's smarter than that? Like then the Lannisters have like, role uh, and th- his Lannisters whole thing is that dead. he's in so much debt to them because they owe Tywin so much money. Um, so it's like yeah, he's he, so he's almost forward. like giving up them because the way I don't. No, to be honest, like you hear especially throughout these first couple of chapters how he lost who he once was. It's almost like he's in a trance because of his losses and everything like that. And now he's going to give three-fourths of Westeros at least a part to the Lannisters. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is that I think he actually does feel bad for his treatment of Cersei. He doesn't like her. She doesn't like him. But I do think there's a part of him that might feel a little bit bad about their relationship. So he kind of compensates for that by giving Jamie such honors, giving Tywin such honors. And 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 you see and you see with he probably sees like Tywin and Cersei. It's like, I mean, these people care a little bit of what. Yeah. Like the actual ruling process when he's just kind of. Yeah. And again, I don't think the Lannisters necessarily want bad. They might do bad things to get in power. But I don't think they want bad for the whole realm. And you no, see I that agree. with Tywin when he was hand of the king to Ares. He was actually a very good hand of the king. Did a lot of great for the continent 
or the country or the seven kingdoms and Who, um no this isn't me joking around but like do you picture charles dance as tywin no i do a little bit but i picture him bald at least do you picture like his, his voice hair. yeah because his voice is perfect <laughs> you're not on trial for being a door <laughs> you're no son of mine what a great guy all right <laughs> <laughs> what a great dad happy father's day <laughs> Um, do you guys have anything else for? No, I just two? appreciate the backstory in all of Ned's chapters so far. I like I said, uh, I love the quick dialogue back and forth between them with uh, some good underlying uh, stories sure. that make them who they are, and you get to see the roots of their characters. I really like that. Yeah, and we'll get into a little bit more of this with uh, the tinfoil part of the podcast. All right, let's move on then to chapter fourteen, Tyrion two. Nate, take us away. So. As stated previously, Tyrion wants to go to see the wall because he just hasn't seen it yet. So the only people going there are Night's Watch people. So he has the uh, the honor of traveling alongside these Night's Watchmen. Um, basically, you just get to see kind of uh, his perspective on this whole journey up north. Um, he has he has a dream, doesn't he? He talks to John about dreams he used okay. to have. Yeah. He okay. But anyway, so you get his perspective on. Um, Benjen, and it's like he's at least to Tyrion. Benjen's very cold, very kind of he hates not the a, Lannisters, not a welcoming person to talk to. So he kind of goes out on his own, right? Yep. And then um, gets runs has a little run in with our boy uh, Ghost, and then um, yeah, you get kind of a little John like Ghost comes back to John, and then Tyrion describes Fantastic the sight. Mr. Fox describes the sight of seeing John with his dire wolf next to him, which is pretty cool, and then. There's a nice little back and forth that we get between Tyrion and John, and uh, he's kind of Tyrion's kind of in his mind. He feels a little bit sorry for John. He recognizes that he has the potential to be a good man and all this stuff, but he's also talking about see those guys over there, those are criminals, those are all this stuff. You like mm-hmm. he's almost you're like, one of them now. Yeah, it's like he's those are your brothers. Up. You're those are equal to you, even though you all this stuff. Um, yeah, he talks about um the uh, dragon dreams that he used to have. And is this also what he talks about why he reads so much or was that? Yeah. He does yeah. tell John exactly why he reads so much. He says, look at me, John, what do you see? And uh, John goes, I see you dude. I see Tyrion. And he's like, I think you're an idiot. And he goes, let me tell you what you actually see. And he goes, you see a dwarf. And then he goes on about why he needs to read books because he feels his mind is his only yeah. true weapon. Which is uh, literally Tyrion just in a nutshell. It's an awesome, yeah. It's really descriptive of his character. Yeah, but it's also just a really well written kind of monologue. Yeah, and you get that's the big thing about this one is it basically while um, Tyrion one you kind of got the insight into how he he views his relationship with his family. Yeah, this you kind of got insight on how to how Tyrion kind of views himself. Yep, and what um what you may see from him going forward, especially how he's so smart and all this stuff. And I also love. How it even shows kind of how empathetic Tyrion is when he sees John and he sees this young man mm-hmm. kind of throwing his life away, like, and he's just—you get to see that he's like more and more so that he's not the typical how we're expected Lannisters to be. He's very empathetic. He's like all the other characters that we actually enjoy in mm-hmm. the story, which I feel like is interesting considering the first time you hear about him, he's or he's set up as like a little monster. Yeah, and it, he's almost the complete opposite, where he's like. The guy that would be created monsters like in Frankenstein. <laughs> like I said, too, I feel like... You done with your summary? Yeah. All right. I love... that. That's the one thing, if I had to say my favorite thing about reading these books so far, is just 
learning about other people from the different perspectives. I think I've said on each one of our first couple episodes in Tyrion, you just get um, you get some some really good stuff from him, and I love learning. What about stuff it. do you get, Nick? Well, hold on. I love for Tyrion and Jon especially. I love the information you gain and the insight you gain from other people's perspectives talking about them. Because in the show, it's pretty much straightforward. It's like, here they are, here's a couple interactions, but you never really get to get hop into someone's head. And see how they view another and person. see how they view another person, because that can completely change from person to person, and I really have enjoyed that so far. Yeah, I just like how witty Tyrion is, and you already get to see it in his first chapter and in this one, too. Like, when Benjen, or they leave, and Tyrion dresses in his warmest clothes, but obviously he's from King's Landing, which is a much warmer climate, so he doesn't have the furs and stuff. And Benjen jokingly offers him a thick, warm cloak, thinking that Tyrion would probably, you know, be the cool guy and say, I don't need that. I'll be okay. And yeah. Tyrion goes, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, and he takes the warm cloak and he puts it on. And then he remarks that Benjen looks a little cold and is probably regretting that he yeah. offered that to him and stuff. And Tyrion's like, oh, you know, us Lannisters, we take what's given, yeah. you know. Um, I, I thought that was really funny. Um, what page are you on, Tyler? I want to go see if I have anything highlighted, but I lost my bookmark, so now my book's just flopping around in the wind. Just go to the chapter before Tyrion 2, and then turn the pages to Tyrion, and then look for your highlights. Um, the, I got quite a few notes on this chapter. I like that right away it actually describes that there were a lot of people on the road when they left within the first couple days. So it just kind of, I feel like just from the show, it kind of seems like there's no life outside of the castles, yeah, and yeah. that's it. So it's cool to see there's people traveling the on the road. Populated. There's inns pretty populated, so there's places to stop for them. Too. Once they get into the woods, there's not. But before that, there is, which was nice to see. I highlighted, um, it's kind of early in the chapter, page 119, uh, Tyrion 2, that he, well, the way he describes his encounter with ghosts, he says there's something very unsettling about the animal, Tyrion thought. And that just kind of reiterated to me, like, our discussion well, about how the direwolves may have a connection to a higher power or something like that. Like, there's something sure. very holy about them. But he says that because they hear packs of wolves howling in the woods, yet Go sits there and he looks up, but he doesn't say anything. Yeah. And you hear all about, in other chapters, the other direwolves howling a lot. And wolf, or wolf, ghost is completely <laughs> silent. Wolf. I'm messing wolf. up a lot of words today. <laughs> But Ghost is just completely silent all the time, which is really interesting, and you wonder what that may mean. And actually, an interesting point that we didn't talk about in John's chapter earlier in the episode is when John walks into Arya's room with Ghost, Nymeria sits on her haunches and kind of like backs up, and Ghost is just kind of walks in like nothing, almost as if Nymeria realizes that Ghost is all-powerful. Ghost is almost the alpha. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to yeah. say. He's the freaking alpha. I love alpha, it. Um, I also highlighted... Um, kind of like John being the king of the north. <laughs> on page 121, I highlighted um, on the 18th night of their journey. The only reason I highlighted this is just because... You see how long it, it's it, taking? It, it took me back a little bit just because, yeah, you in the book, it's easier to write down, well, this many days pass, and you can hop back into it. Well, in the show, it's harder to portray that. I found it very interesting, and it also kind of puts into perspective how shitty that journey would be going north, yeah. and you're almost a half a month in it's riding on horse. It's got yeah, it'd be fun just hanging out with the bros, though. <laughs> you know, it's like I a road disagree. trip. We, road trip. Um, Yorin appears in this chapter. Yorin's a yep. recurring character that we'll see uh, throughout this book and maybe into book two. And um, you just kind of see Tyrion's perspective. He's kind of stinky and smelly and stinky. grouchy, stinky boy. 
but he gets his job done. He actually shows up with two new, fresh Night's Watch recruits, and he comments that they're rapers from this, the Fingers, and the Fingers are actually from where Littlefinger's from. They stick out kind of close to the Vale of Aaron. Stony, not a great place to live. But um, at this point, Tyrion looks at John, and John sees these guys as new Night's Watch people, and he sees this look that John gives, and that's when Tyrion has his first thought that he kind of feels bad yeah. for John because he realized that it might be dawning on him that perhaps the Night's Watch isn't what everybody made it out to him to be. So uh, you kind of get that. Uh, Benjen's really mean to Tyrion, and I think uh-huh. that probably comes from when Ned came back to Winterfell after Robert Bounty was like, man, dude, Jamie Lannister's a dick. And then All these Lannister like, folks, I don't know how to feel about them. Yeah, it's just part of that. Fan- like, no, nobody gives anybody a chance. It's if, if you hate the family, you got to hate every single one of them no matter what. Um, what I loved, and I did not pick up on this and put it together until this read, my third fucking read through the book. Why does Winterfell have a book on dragons? Tyrion comments that he took several rare books from the Winterfell well, yeah, library. And- and we learn in the next chapter that the library actually burns down and they lose a lot of those books. Thankfully, Tyrion took some rare ones, and one of them happens to be a book about dragons. And it says, it says on page 121, Tyrion had a morbid fascination with dragons. Yeah. I wonder if that's foreshadowing that he may team up later with a dragon. Well, we just get we actually get a lot of backstory on the dragons. We get so we get the name drops yeah, of the three it. dragons that Aegon had to conquer all of Westeros, and just how big and powerful they were, and Which just I how they were they were able to Balerian, conquer the whole kingdom with very Maraxis few men. And Vagar, Vega, yeah, Vagar, Vagar, um, League of Legends champion. <laughs> is it really? How is it spelled? V H A E G A R. Um, again, it's just. I find it really interesting that Winterfell would have a book on dragons when it's a place that seems as though they have no connection to dragons until Aegon's conquest when they come, and they bend the knee right away. They're not real friendly with them. They don't interact with them at all, yet they have this tome up there. How did it get there? Why is it important to them? You know, just very interesting. But it, it, it could be very interesting, but... Again, it could mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, it could just mean, you know, certain maesters that pass through. They have yeah. to study stuff down in the Citadel, so maybe one was studying dragons. They're like... Well, I gotta get sent up north, but I'm still gonna work on my little book about dragons. Um, I like the description that the dragon bone is black and sleek. Yeah. And Tyrion talks about when he went to King's Landing for the first time as a child. He made it a point to go see all of yeah. the, the the skeletons and the heads that used to be um, on the walls of the throne room. So he goes down there and he just talks about how beautiful. Like he was worried maybe they would be scary, but he was confused at how beautiful they were and i, I really like the description of them and they're like they're black and clearly sleek, like something obsidian. very magical yeah um yeah that's true um i love me some dragons Tyrion co- makes a really interesting comment about john's looks let me read that to you go ahead tyler born he says <clears throat> the boy uh he had the stark face if not the name Long, solemn, guarded, a face that gave nothing away. Whoever his mother had been, she had left little of herself in her son. I just think that's funny because it— Could it also be ironic? Yeah, it could be, which is a really great line, especially if you've watched the show and you know what John's lineage is. Like, it could either be— that it, you could literally read it either way, and it makes sense yeah, either way, yeah. right? It's what, good. It's what you good. believe. It's a really interesting line. I thought that was funny. Yeah, and I, I also like it because it's already starting to show— and it has in the past chapters too how good Tyrion is at reading people. Yes, that's I agree with that as well. Um, 
I, I just think that's so interesting that George would throw that in there. And it's another line that I didn't pick up on until this read. And then now I look into it. Oh, is he foreshadowing about John's mother or John's father? What's he trying to say yeah. here? And I, I just, I really yeah. love it. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, where were, what page were you going to jump into? Were you, do you have anything else, like highlighted or anything? Uh, yeah, I still got some more points to bring up, but go ahead. Talk. Well, I was just going to talk about like one of the last lines in the chapter. Um, Tyrion says, the boy stood near the fire, his face still and hard, looking deep into the flames. I'm not really reading too deep into it, but I know how important the flames and the Lord of Light or whatever play in the story of Game of Thrones. So I just found that interesting, even though it probably means nothing. Just because they're already starting to introduce just like, <clears throat> I don't know. I just Literally highlighted it. In case foreshadowing. it co- hey, in case it comes back, I highlighted it. Let me read this little excerpt from Tyrion as he's talking. He tells John about the dragon dreams that he used to have and what he used to do as a child. Even a stunted, twisted, ugly little boy can look down over the world when he's seated on a dragon's back. Tyrion pushed the bearskin aside and climbed to his feet. I used to start fires in the bowels of Casterly Rock and stare at the flames for hours, pretending they were dragon fire. Sometimes I'd imagine my father burning, at other times my sister. Jon Snow was staring at him. A look equal parts horror and fascination. Tyrion guffawed. Don't look at me that way, bastard. I know your secret. You've dreamt the same kind of dreams. This is really interesting because uh, a lot of people point to this in a ridiculous theory that Jon could be a Targaryen or something silly and that he also had dragon dreams. But then that, I- would, mean, that would mean that... Uh- Tyrion may have some connection to that as well. That I read way into it more that Tyrion has dragon dreams. He's fascinated by dragons. Uh, maybe he has some connection to the Targaryens. There's a lot of interesting history with uh, his mother and the Mad King, which we can get into later. But I read this more, this line is saying John would have similar dreams about maybe killing his brother's yeah. sisters or dad or mom, mom because of I his treatment, because one. he's a bastard, mm-hmm. because they look down on him. Not that he's having dragon dreams too. That's, that's how I yeah. read what Tyrion's yeah, saying. There. I do too. But I don't even think John may even have those dreams. I kind of agree with that as well. It's too early for me, folks. I, I don't, I'm not going to try and dig a little too deep. I may be on the second read-through. I'll try and nitpick some of that yeah, shit. Yeah, right. If if I see you pick up these books for a second time, that'll be the day. <laughs> Dude, I'm out. Hey. <laughs> Shark Tank podcast. I'm starting a new one. I'm out. Uh, Tyrion kind of throws it in John's face uh, what the Night's Watch is really like, or he just kind of tells him, you know, what do you think about the rapers and stuff? And John gets really angry. And uh, as he gets really angry when Tyrion's pointing out what his life's about to be like, he kind of steps towards Tyrion and Ghost comes out of nowhere and tackles Tyrion. And yeah, it just shows the con- again, it just showing this connection that Ghost and John have together. And, um, um, Tyrion's like, get your dog off me. <laughs> yeah, he does. Like, what are you doing? John John almost, he's kind of smart to him, too. And Tyrion's like, can you help me up, please? And John's like, why, why should I do that? What, what's in it for me? And then he, he does come over and help him up. And they kind of have a nice exchange yeah. after that. And as they walk away, or as they go back to camp, Benjen comes out and he makes an interesting mark. He goes, John, I thought the others got you. And the way he does not say that ironically or sarcastically, he fully believes is like, <laughs> I thought you were dead, dude. They could have got you. Yeah. And I thought... I mean, that's kind of weird that the others would be down here. Yeah, that he's oh. so worried about it. And then you get a line from Tyrion that really shows as John's walking into his tent to go to bed and Tyrion's about to go to bed. It just really seems like Tyrion actually legitimately cares for John. And I wonder if that comes from their conversation back in Winterfell when they first met. He's just fond of, of bastards, bastards and, and broken, broken things. things and Bran the Broken. 
Um, I just really like the relationship they have, and they actually get several more interactions with each other before Tyrion leaves the Wall and heads back south. So just look out for those and just how they treat each other and stuff. And I think it could be some foreshadowing to them coming back. So it's setting up a positive relationship when all the other Starks hate the Lannisters. Yeah. John does not hate Tyrion. Well, he's I one think of the he's... only ones left. That's true. Maybe the only one. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? How would you know that? I'm just saying it potentially <laughs> like what if all the characters die and he's one of the only Starks left. Another, uh, just another really good chapter. A lot more backstory about the dragons and Tyrion and, what John's yeah. future could hold. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other points about the chapter? I just like the interaction between Tyrion and John. Honestly, anything with John so far is good. Anyone he's talking You're biased. to? No, anyone. Who do he's you picture to? though? I picture a six foot Kit Harrington. At fourteen. At fourteen. At fourteen, yes. he's six foot, and Kit Harrington. Maybe they cast Kit Harrington because they thought he would grow. <laughs> that was funny. No, nah, well, on. he was already like twenty. How tall is he? 5'6", 5'8"? He's 5'8". He's 5'7". Is he? He's 5'7". Isn't that like the common height of males in America? Males are about 5... I'm I'm average height for a man. What is it? Like 5'10", 5'11". 5'8 to 5'10", I think, is average. So he's definitely a Tom Cruise. Yeah. Let's just say when he walks around, he's got boosters in his heels. Who wins? Tom Cruise or Justin Bieber? They canceled that. Tom right? would destroy Wait, him. Wait, they already canceled it? He said, uh, Bieber was like, well, I don't know why people are taking this seriously when everyone else tweets random stuff. And yeah, it, was, it was just a joke. Yeah. It was all in good fun. I, who cares? I think Tom Cruise would win. But also, Let's one of my back main to reasons story, for then. not casting Zac Efron as, a, in a, as anything is that he's 5'7". <laughs> is he that short? Yeah, he's as short as anyone. Yeah. All right, let's move on to chapter 15, Catelyn. Three. Nick, take us away with your summary. Oh, I can't you wait for this You got it, one. dude. All right, let me get situated try, hey, here. Hey, can I be honest, though? Try and do better than your last <laughs> I thought it was pretty good last time. So, Eddard left. Kidding. Eddard left. Winter Eight fell. days gone. Where'd he go? Eight days have passed. Where'd he go? He's heading to King's Landing. Catelyn is still sitting Bran, uh, at Bran's side. She's has a fragile mental state. She's, like, going crazy. Hasn't eaten in a while. Hasn't Stop slept in a while. What do you say? Don't move the mic around too much, especially with that cable. Who's Mike, though? So, Catelyn's going crazy. She's not eating a lot. She's not sleeping. Um, I forget his name. Pool. Vayon Pool. He's the steward. He went. Yeah, with. he he. They come in. They're trying to make you know. That's not who came in. Vayon Pool left with Eddard to go south. Okay. Okay. Maester Lewin comes in. Maester Lewin her. comes in. He's like, dude, you gotta lead us now. And she's like, I I can't do it. And then Rob's like, all right, let me pop in yeah. this room really fast. I'm going to show you that I'm a man. He does it, and he does it well, okay? Rob hears a dire wolf howling outside and opens the window. He also shows his vulnerability to her, though, and that he still needs her as well. It's a good mommy-son moment. And Even though uh, mommy's getting a little bad. During this scene, too, um, Rob hears a dire wolf howling, and he looks out, and he sees the library on fire. And he's like, whoa. What is that? And as one does, he runs towards the fire. <laughs> well, he just he just yeah, proclaimed no, know, that kidding. he's got to take care of it. So uh, Catelyn remains behind with Bran, and during that time, a filthy man comes in, as he's described, and uh, he uh, says, he's "You're not supposed to be here. I'm gonna kill he someone. I'm gonna kill you." He doesn't say that, but then he attempts to go kill um, Bran and. Uh, I guess Catelyn's in the middle. And Catelyn's in the middle of it too. So he's like, let's just let's get a double kill here. 
and uh, then you Double have kill. then you have uh, unnamed direwolf at yeah. this time come in and save the day. Killtacular and rips his throat. Uh, then he cuddles so, up on the bed with a red mouth. Yep. So good direwolf saves the day. Catelyn gets cut on her hand down to the bone, so it's a pretty uh, hands serious or hand hand. When did she get cut? Was it before or after the direwolf came in and saved the day? It's before. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so she got cut. It's pretty bad. Wound. No, she She's she take- grabs the knife blade after the direwolf <laughs> kills the guy. She yeah. just goes like, <laughs> what is this? She <laughs> <laughs> grabs it to the best of her ability. Anyway. Um, see, you guys are ruining this for me. No, anyway, she's taken back to her chambers. Rob's like, yeah. Uh, Catelyn then goes to sleep. <laughs> oh boy, what was Catelyn Rob eats like? and goes to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I got to take Rob says, yeah. No, but then they point out that the, the dagger is Valyrian steel, dragon bone handle. It's like, well, why does filthy man have it? Who's pointing this out? I thought Catelyn was in bed sleeping. Roderick points this out before she goes to bed. Mm, maybe it was after, though. Was it after? It was after. After she wakes up, she was sleeping what for would four you, days. What would you say is Roderick's last name, Nick? Isn't it Cass and Castle? Good job, bud. Thank you. But, yeah, so then she wakes up after what, how many days was it? Four. She slept for four days. Can you only imagine? Oh, that would feel so good. So good. I can't, like, just wake up. I really hands so bloody. I really can't imagine sleeping for four I, dude, days. Dude, I'd have to pee so bad, though. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to pee yourself, right? She'd definitely pee herself. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, she didn't yeah. eat or drink anything for a long but, like, time. During so the, she's dead then. One thing that I found is during the scene, Rob comes in, he's wearing armor. That's kind of an interesting little plot point. He's basically, within that four days, he's become a man. It's like a quince for Rob. He's, he's also wearing steel, meaning he's not no longer carrying a wooden sword. He yeah, so he can sword. kill if he needs to. Um, Callan makes a great statement because they're kind of worried. They kind of look at her like, is this okay? And she's like, well, if it comes to war, we don't need wooden swords. We need steel. And then she, the big one of the biggest points of the chapter is she tells, uh, what is it, Rob, Theon, and Roderick about... And Maester Lewin. And Maester Lewin about how she believes that her sister's telling the truth about who killed John Aaron. Yeah. So she tells them, she, she, asked, she asked Rob, why would somebody want Bran dead? Because they don't think they were trying to kill Bran. They think they were trying to kill her. And she goes, no, they were trying to kill Bran. And they're like, why would they do that? And then she looks at him like, why do you think they would try and do that? And Rob well, comes like, to the conclusion. He figures it out. So then she reveals the information. She makes them all swear an oath. Theon makes some really interesting comments about Eddard was like a second father to me. Of course, you have my oath. And then she shares with them that perhaps it was the Lannisters that pushed Bran out of the tower. Um, and that they were perhaps the ones that killed John Aaron. So then she decides that somebody needs to go to King's Landing. And who do they decide to go? It will be me. I'll take Roderick's sideburns with me. Emperor Palpatine? Uh, <laughs> ironic. Anyway, yeah, she Skywalk. goes. Do it. That's how it ends. She's like, I'm going to go. And they're like, wait, you can't. And she says, okay, I'm going to. There and you go. Rob's like, nailed it. Rob's I guess I'm like, all alone here. And what does she say to Rob? Rob's like, I'll do it. And she goes, no. What does there she must say? always be a Stark in Winterfell. Nailed it. She says and it again. Brian's a cripple, we so get, we, we don't count him in. anymore, I guess. Yep. Well, yeah. And Rickon, what an idiot. He's and a three-year-old. He hasn't even grown up yet. Come on. He needs the brave. <laughs> needs the braves for winter. Winter's and coming. And the thing about it is Rob's in his head thinking, go ahead, Mom. Go out there and die because this is my home now. I don't think he was thinking that. He's That's like, a, run it. 
bad way to wrap up your summary. Are you done with your summary? My summary, my two summaries tonight were the worst you could ever think of. <laughs> we were talking about imagining the story tonight a lot. And if you can imagine my summaries, I'd think of a piece of dog poop. So let's, yeah, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, and it's coiled up brown snake on the ground. So Callan is not just mean to John. You actually get this right away and Maester Lewin comes in. She's a total biatch to him too. And this is someone who they're clearly very close. She He came from Riverrun with her to Winterfell. And she treats him very coldly when he walks in and says, hey, you need to start making some appointments now for uh, all the positions that more than my son um i said take the books away the steward will attend to our needs and then mason lewin's like well the steward left actually so that's another thing you need to do <laughs> and she goes uh she nods absently she goes on her voice was a whip a master of horse when he says we need a new master of horse too like she's just so mean to him I my son just, lies here broken yeah, and dying Lewin, and you wish to discuss a new master of horse do you think i care what happens in the stables do you think it matters to me one whit i would gladly butcher every horse in winterfell with my own hands if it would open brand's eyes do you understand that and then he said and then he says but you, but you're uh, trying to start a war, and if we start a war with no horses, then everyone's gonna be. And dead. Then he looks, My he lady. he looks her in her eyes, and he says, "You're kind of really being selfish. Like, come on." <laughs> I like that he he goes. He bowed his head. Yes, my lady. But the appointments, <laughs> and then it goes. I'll make the appointments. Rob said. So that's when Rob steps yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why didn't he cut in earlier? Bad king. And you hear, so this is great when John would cut it. John would cut it earlier. You do get Rob taking his role as the the Lord of Winterfell. Now he's going to step somewhere. in and do this. But he also tells her like Rickon's been bothering. Like he won't leave me alone. He doesn't know what to do. He's crying all the time. He goes, <laughs> I don't know what right. to do, Mom. I need you too. And she's like, <coughs> Get away from me, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait. We you actually failed to mention Nick is that after Catelyn. Um, saves Bran, and the direwolf rips out this killer's throat. She falls on the ground and just starts laughing hysterically. And they actually come in and they find her laughing hysterically still. And it just, I think it just shows that her mental state is completely gone. I so, do think it has a lot to do with like the lack of food, the oh, sleep yeah, deprivation. It's not just that she's yeah. this bitter towards everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I picture Joaquin Phoenix there in the new Joker film. <laughs> laughing no but on a serious note she literally hadn't what she hadn't slept for how many days has it had it been like in realistic standards there's no way she should be alive and she hadn't eaten i'm sure she had eaten some and slept a little bit but it was like on and off kind of thing um i really like rob's growth in this chapter i i do like how catlin once she wakes up from her four day little nappy snooze She's kind of has this new determination yeah. and grit. Yes. She's like, I, and she has a great line where she goes, I will show them what a Tully of River Run can do. And yeah. it's like, Die. she just filled with this vibrance that wasn't there before all this, obviously. Yeah, she has a new awakening. She has a new purpose. And I kind of like that as well. I thought it was a really good chapter. Probably one of my favorites so far out yeah. of the 20 I read or whatever. And um, I thought the last John chapter or whatever was your favorite chapter so far. I said I'm ranking them. No, in my he head. said he said one of the best endings. Ah, thank you, Nate. Thanks and for clearing that up. Hey, I got my brother's back. It's we a got great. The it's a connection. great chapter, and she's a. Very I thought you didn't like him though. No, I hate him. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and talk. It's a good chapter, and she's a good character. But even with that being said, I don't like her that much. 
Well, she's really unlikable in these first couple chapters because you get like, by design. In her first chapter, she mentions she doesn't like John. In her second chapter, she talks to Ned directly about we need to make John leave because I don't like him. And then in this chapter, she's a total bitch. In John's chapter, she was a total bitch. Um, See, so right at the end of it is when you get to see a stronger, resolve, more resolved Catelyn, which is which is way more fun to read, obviously. Yeah. Um, she, I like how she completely changes her minds on the direwolves, obviously, after it comes in and saves her yeah. life. And I really like the line where it says, in the, his neck opened up and warm blood sprayed all over her face, whatever. Yeah. I thought that was a cool line. But uh, she hates him. When Rob is in there trying mm -hmm. to console her before he notices the library like, is burning down, he opens the window to let them howl so Bran can hear them because he remarks, no, it'll make him stronger. He needs to hear this. And it, she starts screaming, shut, shut the window, shut him up. I'll kill, go kill him. And it's like, what's your problem? She's just going nuts. But then afterwards... <laughs> Once she wakes up, they mention her, her uh, when, son's dying. When Rob decides how many guards they need, he goes and let the direwolf sleep in his room too. And she agrees. She says yes. And it's like yeah. she kind of comes to the conclusion like these yeah. are special yeah. animals too. Well, so yeah, you get she that. Should that dumb wench? I thought when you've seen the show and you know where Theon's character goes, I really like that right here, right away. He clearly likes yeah. the Starks. He has a good relationship with them. He hey, likes Eddard. Eddard fair, treated him he well. He lucked out. Starks are a way better family than the Greyjoys. <laughs> yeah. We'll certainly get into that later. <laughs> um, so you just you just get that line yeah. about that he did like him and that he, he treats Rob as a brother. They're close. So it's just interesting where his character starts. Um, Callan, let me find this line real quick. You get an interesting foreshadowing line. Go ahead and chat for a second, boys. I like Catelyn in the TV show was actually like one of my favorite. Like I remember looking back when I was watching the show and I didn't know anything about the story. I was actually watching it by myself. No one in my family had watched it to that point. No one I knew really watched it besides a couple of friends that I didn't even really talk, talk to them about it. Catelyn was one of my favorite characters, like seasons one through what three. She really was. And in the book, what happens in season three? Anyway, in the books, I do not like her. And I think it's obviously by design. And as we find out, I think later, on tinfoil, she may go on a little bit longer. Well, like I said, I think you're going to start liking her. You're barely yeah. into the book, and she's been awful. The I first know, but what chapters. I'm saying in the show, like, it's funny how mindset changes. Like, she, there may have been signs early in the season one that she is kind of mean and. She doesn't like a lot of people, and she treats people rudely and everything like this, but I completely glossed over, and I was like, oh, she's kind of cool. The mother of all the Starks. But, yeah. What you got for us, Tyler? Keep talking for a second. Uh, they, they, actually do, <laughs> they actually do that scene in the show, too, where she's like, shut them up. Yeah. And, and of course, because the actress that plays her so is So this great. is another like pretty faithful yeah. chapter yeah. Or that the show adapted yeah. well, I would say. Um, so the one line... Is, and it doesn't mean anything, but it says, Catelyn struggled to push back the blankets, her bandaged fingers as stiff and unyielding as stone. You just get a lot of stone. You get a lot of stone. Her, maybe she's a stoner? Maybe that's what they're trying to No, but also they, the, the way they the way that her injury takes a toll on her hands in the book is already like it's more than the, just a bandage on her hand. Yeah. They talk about that the dagger that was used is Valyrian steel. It's got a dragon bone hilt. Which I wonder we, if that comes into play. Yeah, I wonder. Um, and could, they, hey, they just comment about how the very weird it thing would be. that created him, or who knows? It's mm -hmm. for you to decide. <laughs> they talk about how weird it is that the killer was was using this. Yeah. Obviously, 
weapon that he would have no means of attaining unless someone he looked gave like it to absolute him. absolute scum. They find where he was hiding out. He was Just sleeping in, in the, the stables. stables. Catelyn actually remarks when he enters <gasps> that he smells like horse shit, basically. So she kind of thinks that's where he would have been hiding. Right I find away. that stuff really just creepy, like when people... You find out, like, yeah, they well, just like been, movies and stuff. Like, uh, what's squatting. the one? You're next. That's Good one movie. of those ones. You spoil that for me. I spoiled it for you. Yeah, I've never seen the movie. Well, Tyler, you know what I'm talking about. Where yeah. you find out that he was the guy was camped out in the house. And yep. the, yeah, it's kind of like creepy. And I, it kind of yeah, gave it's me called the squatting. Is that really what? Yeah, like when you find someone just living in your house or like a homeless man. Like sometimes people find them like in their attic. Like when they move into a house that was vacant for a while and they move in and then they're just that's they find, terrifying. They find like stuff in the attic, like someone was clearly staying there. Yeah, that's it's like how did they it's get here? Weird. And it's like a butterfly effect moment almost. What exactly? No, but I I thought that was really uh, bone chilling when that. Yeah, or it's like the, just this when he enters, he's just there. He's in the yeah, doorway. It's really she cool how she's it. just yeah. kind of freaking out. And then all of a sudden she turns on and it's and the line is like, and the man was there standing in the doorway. And it's just like, oh, my God, there he is. Maybe he's a faceless man. You're not supposed to be here. Well, in the show, he's like smiling when he says it. In the show, they cast a really like good looking weird guy. <laughs> yeah, good. Ca- I was going to say good casting on Do that. Do you was think it Paul he feels Dano? good about himself? Like they find, they say, you're ugly and weird enough to play this role. Do and you he want says, to? how much? How much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually getting a paid acting gig. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So again, I actually really like this chapter. It's one of the turning points in the story that you get a mm-hmm. pretty interesting action scene. You get the direwolf ripping good out of the Good cliffhanger to leave the the pot on yeah uh catelyn decides to leave and go to king's landing um i like that now she's got this resolve and this determination to go do good for the family instead of being just wallowing away in pity mm-hmm. um so she awoke a new person yeah good good stuff coming good stuff coming we got a banger of a chapter next episode that we'll talk oh about. my Which god one? brand two three three is brand three next episode it should be right yep because i'm not i'm not too far past where we're at now I think I, I'm just far enough for the next step. Well, yeah. Why, why don't we uh, let's wrap it up here and then we'll uh, dive into tinfoil. So anybody listening that does not want spoilers for the books, stop listening now. Next week we will be diving into chapters 16 through 20, which will be uh sansa one we get sansa's mm. first chapter that's a good, good one. chapter that's actually a good chapter we will get eddard three Ooh. another good one forget what happens there. that's weird oh, i, I think every chapter is good we will get uh brand three you were right uh-huh. which is much spicy Ooh, good i like it as spice uh <laughs> sorry i'm trying to just look this up on my phone real quick um we will get catlin four and we will also get John 3. Interesting. So chapter 16 through 20 next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, if you don't want any spoilers, tune out now. Because right now begins Tinfoil. Let's tin, get into tin, it, boys. Tinfoil talk featuring the Talon Brothers podcast and Tyler. Let's talk. It's the Dance of Dummies podcast. Yeah. Let's get into, once again... John's mother. Welcome to the podcast. Let's talk about John. Not talking about John. Hell no, we ain't not talking about John's parents. Um, I want to dive right into Ned's name drop of Wyla. I do think it's probably more likely that it's just a name he either made up on the spot. Although we do get the name again later. Then I brought it up last episode. 
And in A Storm of Swords, a character that comes across, Arya says, John's milk mother was named Wyla, and we shared mm -hmm. this milk mother. Very milk bizarre, mommy. very interesting. So maybe Ned dropped this name because he obviously didn't want to say the real person. Yeah. But this person is associated with John. So wouldn't he it just be something it? if it was just. Huh? Oh, shit. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be something if it was just Wyla? Is John's mom? I would just blow it. Everybody be like, what the? F That's a whore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know for sure. Like, obviously, I don't know for sure. But I just think it's really interesting that he would say that name in the first book in his first chapter, his second chapter. And then it comes back. Is it his first? No, it's his second chapter. And then it shows up again in the third book. You get a name, and it's like maybe the milk mother was actually John's mom. Like, it was John's mom that was just doing the breastfeeding. Who knows? So I don't know. It's really interesting. I don't. I guess know. we'll find out in book seven in twenty twenty five. I actually think that we find out who John's John parents are in book six because of something that George said in one of his more recent blog posts when he mentions all the characters that aren't in the show that we're bringing up, and at the end he says, "And you'll find out, you know, what's happening with Aegon the Sixth Targaryen." And we know that there is someone on Westeros named Aegon. And obviously, from the show, we know that John's parents are Rhaegar and Lyanna, and they name him Aegon. So I think George is saying that we're either going to find out that John is Aegon, or we're going to find out that young Griff is the real Aegon. We're and gonna, I like the whole find thing. Out who Aegon is. I like the whole thing, the whole theory behind how how people make sense of John being named Aegon as well because of Rhaegar's obsession with the prophecy, and he always thought that like yeah. The one that would be his heir would need to be Aegon. And all My whole stuff. thing is he already named a kid Aegon. Well, he was Why like, would he do he's it like, again? dude, he's freaking toast. <laughs> I know this one's going to live. So It's like, this kid sucks. Yeah. Um, I have a really interesting theory that does tie into this chapter a little bit that I just heard about. I heard someone say it, and then I started drawing some conclusions on my own, and that is that what if Daenerys is the child of Rhaegar and Lyanna? Now, there is a little bit of evidence for this being Ned really freaks out when Robert wants to kill Danny. And we also know, based on Danny's backstory, even in the first chapter, that she grew up in a beautiful climate in a house with a big red door and a lemon tree outside her window. But she claims she grew up in Bravos. Now, her being a child, if someone told her, in any city, hey, this is Bravos. She'd be like, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, we're in Bravos. But her description does not match what Bravos is actually like. When we get Arya actually goes there in the later books, so you get some exposure of what that city is truly like, and it's nothing like Danny says. Lemons can't grow there, and lemons cannot grow there whatsoever. So I think it's possible that Daenerys actually grew up in Dorne, where lemon trees grow, and if she grew up in Dorne, that would make sense with Ned. We know for a fact that after the Tower of Joy, Ned travels to Dorne and drops a baby off potentially. We don't know for sure, but he absolutely goes to Dorne afterwards. And if he did drop a baby off and said baby grows up in Dorne with a lemon tree outside her window, it could be Danny, right? I guess I sent you this in the text, Tyler, and this literally is based off no context. You have a little bit more than I do, but I just feel like Ed's character – or. Ned's character, I feel like he wouldn't leave it out of his control. He promised his sister that he'd protect this baby. Yeah, I but feel like he, he would just he wouldn't he, dump he, it. He says constantly that he broke his promises to Lyanna. 
did he break his promise because he let John go to the wall if John's his his son? But then why would he let – he could have just said, no, John's staying here, Catelyn. He's not going to the fucking wall. Grow up about it. But he sends him away, right? He, he says, okay, we'll send him away. So is he upset that that was breaking his promise, or did he break his promise way before then, right? Well, we then, also know that when Robert does say we're going to send someone to kill Danny, he loses his shit. He goes insane. And then he's like – he goes – he gets so mad. He's like, I'm giving up the position. And – I, Ned's honorable, of course. He doesn't believe in killing children. But was it really enough to throw away his friendship with Robert, give up the position of the hand when he knows all this crazy shit's going on and he's trying to figure out? Like, that's some pretty serious stuff, right? Ned's more whack to me then because then he broke the promise within, what, a couple weeks of Liana asking him to do it? Because what? How many, how many days would it take to get to Dorne? Well, if he thought it was safer to take the Targaryen away and not be in Westeros at all, who knows? But then we also know that um, Rhaegar was trying to, like, he was trying to fulfill some prophecy, and we don't know what it was, right? He was trying to have a special kid. Who's more special than Daenerys to actually give birth to dragons? That doesn't that seem like something that Rhaegar was trying to accomplish. Right now, through five books, Jon has nothing to do with the Targaryens or has any special magic or power that aligns with t the Targaryens at all. But Danny, I believe, is the Azor High. She awakens dragons from stone. We get the line about the three dragons being essentially stone. We, it talks about that a lot. She awakens them from stone, gives birth to them. I think it makes sense that she's Azor High and she's Rhaegar Lyanna's child. Well, I will also say that John, John has no Targaryen connection for five seasons of the show. That's true, too. That's obviously true as well. Except for Ma uh, Maester Aemon. What if John and Danny are twins? What if John is Maester Aemon's kid? Yeah, what if it's like a Luke Scott? You think George Yeah, what if it's Luke, Luke and Leia? Yeah, you think George would literally come And they just start banging off, too, though? and they're like... Hold on, though. You think George... Or, yeah, you think yeah, George I mean, he ri he ripped. I mean, he ripped off Lord of the Rings, so might, might as well do Star Wars, too. What's your thoughts on that, no, but I think I do think it's possible now that Ned's child with Ashar Dane... I think he absolutely has a kid with Ashar Dane. Again, don't know who it is. But there is a character you meet later... In the books, Val, the wildling princess, who Ghost has a weird connection with. Ghost is only close with John. Yet there's a scene where Val needs to go north to find some wildlings, and Ghost travels with her like nothing and behaves really well around her, so similar to how he does with John. And we also know that Shara Dane is rumored to have thrown herself out of a window when she has, like, when her baby comes out, it's like a baby girl and it dies right away and she kills herself because of it. So what if. This daughter is actually Val, and that's Ned and Ashara's child together, which we can get into later when we all read yeah. the fifth book together and look more closely at that evidence. But that's a likely candidate for Ned and Ashara's child, especially if John is Rhaegar and Lyanna's. And maybe I, I do, I'm like more and more convinced that Danny is this child because she's just so special. And Rhaegar was all about having this special kid, and she is like the most special child in the story so far. I think it's that a we pump, know of. I think it's a pump fake because John comes back to life. It's a pump fake. <laughs> Daenerys is the pump fake to Jon's redemption. I, I like the idea of no, two I wars going on at once, where it's the war for the battle King for the dawn and Danny going or whatever's going to happen. Aegon and Danny's dance with dragons. Yeah, I'm really excited. I hope with the others too. Like, I hope they're all completely separate and the story doesn't stall in one area because the other one's going yeah. on as well. I really like the Lady Stoneheart stuff. Like they ha already are foreshadowing and commenting about. Catelyn being stone-hearted. Yeah. And there's more of it in this book that I'll point out, too, that I remembered reading on my last I'm excited to get into reading. that stuff because 
that uh, clearly one of the major differences from the show. Bro, her introductory chapter is amazing. Is it bonkers? Is, is bonkers. it point of view? Is not her point of view, no. Do you ever get a point of view from her? No. After? No. Who gets point of views of her? Do you really want to know? Do you, I'll tell you if you want to know. Damn. Thoros. No. Do, do you want me to tell you? Tell, tell Barrick, me. Say yes. Barrick I want to won't tell know because Barrick. Spoilers for Nick. Oh, Barrett dies, dies so for Barrett gives her the last kiss. Oh, but does Brienne? Well, yeah, I know the whole Brienne thing. Brienne sees her? Jamie? Not yet, but Mark. Mark. it's looking that way. Arya? Nope. I think that's another potential. Uh, you really, you guys will literally never well, guess it because yes, the character that's not in the show. Oh, well. And it's a one-off chapter because it's the epilogue of Storm. Oh. No, then I don't want to know it. Yeah, well, yeah, I oh, don't is know. It, oh, is it? Uh, is it? I just said it's a character that's not in the show. So how Aegon? would you have any idea? <laughs> I'm done. Let me move is back. it a fray? Yes, it is. Good. Okay. That's hey, good guess, Nathan. Yep. <laughs> good thinking. Good thinking, Nathan. Um, again, the whole Tyrion stuff, having dragon dreams, and how much he was obsessed with dragon fire as a kid. That could be. George constantly talks about how he's really smart yeah. and he likes to mess with people and stuff. So that could be. Yeah, Tyrion was smart. He read a lot. He yeah. loved dragons. So I like dragons. When you read a bunch about it, you're gonna have dreams about it too. Yeah. Or there is an interesting theory that perhaps. Joanna Lannister, yeah. Tywin's wife, slept with King Aerys. There is a lot of evidence that it could have happened because um, she... Wouldn't w- it be more of Aerys? Aerys took... It'd be more kind of rapey kind yeah. of vibes. Because yeah. he was infatuated with her mm-hmm. in some aspect. Mm-hmm. So there is a potential anterior. We know I'd Tyrion has the silver blonde hair. He's got the mismatched eyes. I'd be really sad if literally every character that matters is the Targaryen. I'd be like, well, then what's the point of all the other That's characters? why I don't think some of them are. I don't. I tend. I probably don't think Tyrion is because I do think that would probably lessen do you, his... Do you like the time-traveling fetus story or no? What's the time traveling fetus story? Where some people think that Tyrion is Danny's baby. Oh my god! I really don't like that. <laughs> that because it, it it said that how it's described very similar when she has the baby to when Tyrion is. Well, born. the thing is, is that actually in in Fire and Blood, which just came out, and the History of Westeros book, what's it called? The World of Ice and the Fire. World of Ice and Fire. And the they actually talk about a lot of Targaryens having these like weird child children, babies. yeah, that don't live, and they all look like that. So I think it's much more likely that Danny just had one, Dude. maybe look like that. We don't actually know because she doesn't see I'm it. Gonna we just come, get it I'm going to come her. out flat and say it. That's time traveling, fetus. <laughs> that theory's as likely as Brand's the Night King. That's my that's my take on that theory. Brand Case is closed. the Night King. It's proven. There was a guy yeah, on Reddit. Did you guys see? There was a guy on Reddit that like said made some ridiculous bet and he was like i'm willing to come on here and post a video of me doing something really yeah, stupid if yeah. brand's not the night king because it's a hundred percent and then of course not true he was gonna hold up a piece of paper that said i'm an idiot or something well there was also there was also two things off the reddit that i want to drop real quick before we wrap up uh one is that there was in the code for hbo and inside the episode for episode six of season eight and they never upload like they never published it Oh, I would love to see and it. And then also, uh, there was a great thing where it was showing Jamie kill uh, the Mad King, and then it showed Robert Baratheon. It said pardoned, and then it showed uh, John killing 
Daenerys, and then it was Bran, and it was like, yeah, how about you go to the Night's Watch? <laughs> yeah, and then Grey Worm leaves right away anyway. No, listen, season <laughs> season eight's really bad. It's really poorly written. It's not well great. thought out. Nick posted a great little detail, though, that I it made me appreciate the season a little bit more. Uh-huh. What was the detail? That Daenerys' last <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you know what I'm saying? Her last line is like, we can, we broke the wheel together. And if you spell that backwards, like... <laughs> and it makes no sense. Just like... like the, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. The yeah, worst thing good. I heard about the show, since we're talking about it, and we're in tinfoil, so we can spoil the shit out of everything. Miguel Sapochnik, the best director working in the a Game of Thrones uh, television show. In their little pocket. Yeah, they, there were a lot of really good directors that did some stuff. But Miguel Spodkin directed the big epic episodes and always did a phenomenal job. He had some ideas for Hard Home and The Long Night that just objectively would have made the episodes even better. I think Hard Home is the best episode of the show. And I don't think The Long Night is poorly directed at all. I think it's extremely poorly written. Uh, but it's incredibly well directed. But had his ideas come through in the long night, even if the Night King dies at the end and Arya kills him the same stupid fucking way, it would have made the episode so much better. Among those things, Jorah dies right away. And where you think that he would have died. Where it looks like he fucking dies. And then he just shows up again randomly. A lot of the other main characters die right away in that initial charge of the army of the dead, which makes sense when it's a literal tidal wave coming at all of our favorite heroes who are on the front line for absolutely no reason they're on the front line and then magically none of them get hit by the tidal wave and they're all fine here's my thing he wanted an army of dire wolves to be fighting the undead dragon it's this is he wanted tyler Tyler. more white walker battles tyler doing stuff with their swords tyler tyler this is and we got none of it this is my standpoint it's almost None like it listen, Nate it, says the best listen, thing. It's almost like Can you say it? No, hold on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> listen. Nick, hey, listen to me now. All right, you talk, Nick. It's almost like these two guys pump faked us and showed us that they really didn't deserve to run the show. I'm done talking about it. Please can we be done? Have you, you know what? I, the last thing. Have you guys seen the stuff that they're gonna have to go to like Comic Con oh, or yeah, something for Star, Star Wars? Wars? How Let funny, them have it. How Let funny is it. that going to be when all the questions, hey, can we talk about Game of Thrones? <laughs> like, why did you truly F us? <laughs> I don't know. I'm done. Anything else to add, Tyler? Um, no, I'm just sad. Usually this podcast brings me up a little bit, b- brings the hope back, the little twinkle of hope in my eye. All right. I want to give you guys some percent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the percentage chance of a couple of these theories coming true. Just real quick. Okay. And I want you guys to give me your responses. Tyrion being a Targaryen, percent out of 100. 33. 33% chance he might be a Targaryen. I'm going to yeah. say... <laughs> uh, Not very high. 20. 20%. 15. Okay. So you, you're pretty much... Nah, probably not. Yeah. Do you think it would take away from the moment of him killing his dad if he finds out? Yeah. yeah. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I mean... But it could also add to his entire story as his well. His dad still did treat... Like, he yeah, still it's grew still up his dad. Yeah. Yes. Just like how Ned's still John's dad, no matter the outcome. Yeah, that's true too. Um, John Snow is not Rhaegar and Lyanna's child. Percent? I'm gonna say thirty-three. Okay, I'm gonna say ten percent. Daenerys is either also the child of Rhaegar and Lyanna, or is the only child of Rhaegar and Lyanna. Twenty fifteen twenty. 
I'm going six percent. <laughs> John is Ray Garliana's child. Eighty-five. What did I say for? So I guess sixty-six percent. Okay. Oh, and then at it's least mine. there's ninety. Have I have I at least brought forth some evidence yeah. that yeah, makes yeah, you think? I, no, Tyler, it's completely Tyler, possible. I think that there's a higher, there's a bigger possibility of them being twins than there is one or Daenerys being how the cool, only child. How cool would that? Be? Yeah, the twins would be amazing. But then again, it's just Star Wars. But still, that's amazing. I mean, is everything is derivative. Like that's not fair to. I mean, it's just Star Wars. I mean, Harry Potter is. is literally just Star Wars. So yes, like almost to a T. This is this goes against but so many fantasy person. tropes. If they ended up being twins, which is like nobody could could have predicted unless it's just a wild like I'm just guessing. It's not like I'm if it were to be true, it's not like oh I was right. It's just like oh, yeah, yeah, I got the, fucking yeah, lucky trying yeah. to put that one together. I mean, there's countless amounts of clues and information in every single line of these books that you're bound to find someone that believes something that, that is one word was said, yeah. Right. So just like how the guy predicted the entire first season of Westworld after the first and second episode, he's like Here's what I think is going to happen. Literally almost word for word exactly happened, and I read it. And so as I'm watching the show, I'm literally watching this guy's theory play out where I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and at first, like, most of this, it wasn't like he said, here's the plot synopsis of the show. Mm-hmm. He just made, like, guesses of, like, possibilities. So it wasn't like I was just watching his plot synopsis come out. I was just saying, like, oh, I guess that that prediction was yeah. right. Oh, that prediction is, and as soon as multiple were, I was like, "Well, then that only that if that's right, then that means that his other things right." It's, and if after watching Westworld, like this guy, like in Westworld is way more, I would I don't want to say complex than Game of Thrones, but way more kind of convoluted. Yeah, convoluted or more philosophically based, where it's kind of like more sure. artsy based, where yeah. it's kind of like. It's definitely using a lot of symbolism and a lot of stuff like that, which uh, Game of Thrones does too, but more of so like you would see in like an Our House film or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, but yeah, the guy predicted everything. So I'm, I can almost guarantee that someone predicted everything that happens in Game of Thrones. Oh, well. for sure. And that's what's like I try and watch as many different theory videos. Like I watch so many theory videos oh, where yeah. people use the same evidence to draw different conclusions and stuff. and. You, I got to imagine that the work that some of these people put in and research every line of the books that could have possibly have something to do with their theory, one of them got it right. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I mean, it's when you have such a large fan base, you basically have to confirm that. And jo- I think George has said something similar to that, right? Where he's, he's like, like he's I stopped reading gonna... fan theories because it, he said someone's bound to be right. After the first or second book, people were, of course, theorizing about John. All right, he didn't say what theory is true. Or what? Yeah, which one he he said someone got like, right? He's, but he's, he's just not like, going to influence his story based on if someone predicted. Yeah, he or, did, and I think that's that's why he stopped reading. Smart on his part because that would suck to just read after your first book and someone nails it. Where and then, you're like, going. then you have to like second guess yourself, saying, "Am I really this yeah. bad at writing that?" You I'm, say, if it's no, one I out need, of the. I need to stick to my story. Yeah, because think about all the people that aren't that read the books that don't have read it that maybe even didn't watch the show yeah. which is possible and then and they don't know what's coming next you know it's going to be a shock to them no matter what happens and that's how i feel like no matter what the truth is about any of these theories it's going to be a total freaking shock and when the revelation happens you'll be like oh my god it's i cannot it's going to be like one of the coolest chapters in any book ever when john finds out who his fucking parents are could you imagine how cool it's what gonna if be? he never finds out it's what if the only thing what if john doesn't come back to life that's the only thing that sucks, though. Is you don't know. Hey, that's the only thing that sucks, though, is you won't get Ramin's music in the background. But I'll envision it in my head. True. Uh, what would you picture, though? 
I would picture a black screen and just means music playing. All right. Is that it? Um, yeah, let's wrap this up, guys. Thanks for listening to the A Dance with Dummies podcast, episode three. We covered chapters um, 11 through 15 today. Next week, we'll be chap- covering chapters 16 through 20. 20. Um, I'm having a great time. It's super fun reading these books. I agree. I'm really glad you guys are going through it with me. I hope so. I know some of my other friends have bought the books and are going to go through it with us. It's awesome. Thanks for listening and can't wait to do it again next week. Good night.